that out. Let's turn over to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. And for those of you that were not here last night, I started talking about what I call spirit, soul, and body. This is the uh, revelation that God gave me that is just like a key somebody is stuck in my brain and turned it. And when I understood or got this revelation, the Word of God just came alive. The Word of God started making sense. I started getting revelation. This just transformed my life. And actually, everything I teach comes out of this revelation. This is like a foundation that everything else I say is built upon this. I can teach anything that I teach, anything. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're talking about marriage. You've got to understand who you are in Christ. And you've got to see that other person, not just in the flesh and what they're doing in the natural realm, but you have to see it in the spirit. If you're talking about finances, you need to be able to see and understand the power, the prosperity that God has given you in your spirit. He doesn't give you wealth. The scripture says in Deuteronomy 8, 18, he gives you the power to get wealth. And if you go try and see, well, where is this power? And if you look in the mirror, you're going to miss it. If you search your emotions, you're going to miss it. You have to understand that you are a new person in the spirit. To prosper, you've got to understand spirit, soul, and body. To have a good marriage, you've got to understand spirit, soul, and body. To operate in the anointing of God and pray for people, you've got to understand these truths here. This is just the foundation of everything to me. If you don't understand this, you aren't going to make it or make it successfully in the kingdom of God. It's just foundational to me. Look at just a couple of verses here. I'm working my way down to verse 14, but look in verse 3. It says, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, past tense, already blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. There's a lot of people that look at their life and say, well, I'm not blessed. That's because you are carnal. You are looking at things in the physical, natural realm. It's in the spirit. It's in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that where the blessing of God is. That's talking about in the spirit realm. When you got born again, you became a new person. And in the spirit, you are blessed with everything. Everything. But for what has happened to you in the spirit to come out and affect your physical body, you've got to renew your mind. I used this last night. Your three parts, spirit, soul, and body. And if your soul, your mind and emotions is linked to your body and controlled only by what you see, taste, hear, smell, and feel, then it just shuts off the power that's in your spirit. If you could imagine a pipe up here above my head right now, and on one side is the spirit with all of the power, the blessings, the healing, the deliverance, everything that you need. Over here is your physical body where you're poor and where you need healing and stuff. Your mind is like a valve. And, it, and your mind can either be shut to what is true in the spirit and just like a valve or a faucet, you know, can stop that water that's in your pipes from ever coming out. You could be standing at the kitchen sink dying of thirst and you could die of thirst and literally be inches away from life-giving water if the tap, if the faucet is closed. Well, likewise, people's mind, they've got the same power on the inside of them that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and people are dying of cancer and dying of sicknesses and diseases and having pains in their body. And you are inches away from the resurrection power of Jesus on the inside of you, but everything has to flow through the way you think. And if you are thinking carnally, I used this verse last night, Romans chapter eight, verse six, to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Carnally minded means you are controlled by what you see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. It means you're listening to the news and you're getting your values and your opinions about what's happening through the world, not through God. You aren't listening to the spirit. You're listening to this world system. Brothers and sisters, that's just not smart. I tell you, if you are watching the news to be informed, you are the most misinformed person on the face of this earth. We are being lied to. We aren't being, it's not just they make mistakes every once in a while. It is an absolute conspiracy. It is a lie. We are being lied to on a systematic basis. I know some of you don't believe that, but it's absolutely true. And I could get plumb off the subject and, but I, I've got, 
verification of that. I could give you stats. I could show you things that were predicted. It's not the evening news. It's the evening prophecy. They are telling you what's going to happen. They aren't reporting what has happened. They're telling you they are making predictions and they're, they're wrong the vast majority of the time. And yet people still listen to it and we allow our hearts to be troubled and disturbed. I tell you, you you don't need to listen to that stuff. If we go to war, if something dramatic happens, you'll hear about it. You could just miss all of these prophecies and all of these negative things and forget it. Amen. You'll, you'll survive. Anyway, you, we are getting the wrong information. That's carnally minded and that's producing death. But to be spiritually minded, John 6, 63 says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. If you are thinking according to the word of God, all you'll get is spirit and life. And this says that we've already been blessed. If you go to the mirror and say, do I look blessed? Or do you search your emotions and say, do I feel blessed? See, that's what most people do. And if they can't see it or if they can't feel it, well, then they think the Bible is just so hard to understand. What does this mean? If you understand spirit, soul, and body, that it's in the spirit that you're a new person. It's in the spirit. Everything you receive from God comes through the spirit first. Then you renew your mind and you get your mind and your spirit in agreement. And I guarantee you the flesh just has to respond. It's two against one. Everything you receive from God comes through the spirit, then the renewing of your mind, and then the physical body is the end result of it. And so we've already been blessed. What this is saying is absolutely true. You say, but I can't feel it. That means it's not in your soul. Well, I can't see it. That means it's not in your flesh. But in your spirit, you have the favor of God. You have the blessing of God. And if you were to renew your mind and focus on that and then begin to use the power of your tongue to speak out what God has said, I guarantee it would be like a flood. There would be no way that you could keep from experiencing the blessings of God because they're already in you. Some of you are whining, complaining, murmuring, and discouraged about things going on. And the truth is that in your spirit, you've got the blessings of God in, I mean, epidemic proportions. You, it's just like a tidal wave on the inside of you and you don't even know what you've got. Somebody said, now, if I had all of that on the inside of me, I'd know it. (laughs) No, you wouldn't. Jesus said this in John chapter three, I believe it's verse six. He says, that which is spirit is spirit. That which is flesh is flesh. That's just an old English way for saying spirit is spirit and flesh is flesh. You cannot perceive spiritual things in carnal ways. It says this over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, the natural man talking about, not necessarily a lost man, just talking about in your natural self with your sense knowledge, your five senses, your own perception. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You have to spiritually discern the things of God. It is through faith. It's through the Spirit. And if you are trying to look in the mirror or just search your feelings to say, do I feel the blessing of God? Do I feel anointed? Do I feel power and all of these things? You're going to miss it. But I'm telling you that the word of God shows us what we have. And this says you have already been blessed with all spiritual blessings. And yet how many times do people say, oh God, I'm asking you just to bless me. If God has already blessed you, then why are you asking God to bless you? Because you aren't in the spirit, you're in the flesh. And if you can't see it or feel it, you don't think God has done it. The truth is he's already done it. You're already blessed with everything. And all you got to do is believe it and start speaking it and draw out what God has already done. Uh, Look down in verse, um, in verse six, it says, well, in verse five, it says that he's predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath, this is past tense, already made us accepted in the beloved. Did you know that the Greek word that's used here for accepted is only used twice in the New Testament right here. And the other one is in Luke chapter one, when the angel said to Mary, hail thou that art highly favored. That's the other way it was translated. You have been highly favored. Just as Mary was highly favored and blessed of God to 
be the one through whom the Messiah would come into the earth. You are highly favored. You are accepted. You are blessed in the beloved. It's already been done. Many of you feel unaccepted. The truth is in the spirit realm, you are accepted and blessed of God. In verse seven, in whom we have redemption. This is something that's already a present tense. And it goes on to say the forgiveness of sins. This is talking about the forgiveness of your sins. It's already been done. I'm going to talk about this sometime during this week that you've already been forgiven of all sins, past, present, and even future sins. Even sins that you haven't been committed, haven't committed yet are already forgiven. I know some of you are going to think that's, uh, that's strange. That's what the Bible teaches. That's not what religion has been teaching, but that's what the Bible teaches. You've been forgiven of all sins, even the ones that hadn't happened yet. Some people just struggle on that one, but see, it's different in the spirit realm. In the spirit realm, you are sanctified and perfected forever. In verse eight, it says, wherein he hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence. It's already been done. You've already got all wisdom and prudence. Somebody said, well, I don't have it. What you're doing is searching out here in the flesh. You're looking with your little peanut brain. You're looking at your last test score and saying, I don't have all wisdom and prudence. In your brain, you don't have it. But in your spirit, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 says, you have the mind of Christ. It says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, that you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things, all things. And some people say, well, that's not true. I can show you. I couldn't even find my keys this morning. I spent 10 minutes looking for my glasses and they were on top of my head. I don't know all things. With your little peanut brain up here, you don't know all things, but in your spirit, you have the mind of Christ. You know everything there is to know. Boy, that is a great teaching. In verse nine, it says, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure. And people say, well, I don't know what God's will is. I don't understand it. It's still a mystery to me. The Bible says he has done it. He's already done it. Having made known unto you. Oh no, that's not true for me. Again, this is because most people do not see themselves in Christ. They do not have, they have an identity crisis in the body of Christ. People don't know who they are. People think that what I'm feeling out here in the physical body, this is me. What I feel in my emotions that this is me. And some people feel like I'd be a hypocrite to sit there and say I'm blessed when the truth is I've had a terrible day. It's been rough and I've just had problems after problem. You're actually a hypocrite if you go by how you feel instead of by who you are in Christ because the spiritual you is the more real you. That's the you that's going to last throughout all eternity. That's the part of you that was changed. It just depends on what you consider to be your real identity. If you think this external person that has pains and hurts and sicknesses and diseases and stuff and your emotional person, if you consider that to be you, then you're going to feel like, well, I'm a hypocrite to say that I love this person when the truth is I'd like to punch their lights out. But in the spirit, your born again spirit is full of love and joy and peace. And in your spirit, you feel the same way about that person that Jesus does. And you're a hypocrite to go by how you feel out here. It just depends on who you consider to be the real you. We've got an identity crisis. And he just keeps saying these same things. Anyway, let me drop down to verse 14. He prays a prayer here. Or verse 15, he says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Actually, if you put this into perspective with the previous verses that we just read in verse 8, he says, Wherein he hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, And now he's praying that the Lord would give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The truth is God's already given you all wisdom. In your spirit, you have a special anointing from God that has given you wisdom and prudence and understanding. But now when he prays over here that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, he's just praying that God would activate, that he would draw out this 
supernatural wisdom and ability that he's placed on the inside of you. And here's what he wants you to see in verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now notice here he's praying not that God would do something new. You know, I travel around the world and I go into churches and I hear people pray all of the time. And I, people are always praying, oh God, send your power. Oh God, move. Oh God, do a new thing. And they're always pleading with God as if it's up to God whether or not the power of God is manifest. When it comes to people being saved, I had a person come up to me just not long ago and they said, and they were crying and they said, I'm just desperate. Would you please pray? Would you please petition God that he would save somebody, their son or somebody? And you know what? I just looked at him and I said, what can I do to motivate God to save your loved one more than he's already motivated? And they just stopped. They quit crying and they looked at me and they said, what are you saying? I said, you're acting like God for some reason just hasn't moved and hasn't saved this person. And you're wanting me to use my influence and somehow or another get God to save this person. I said, God is more motivated to save this person than you or I are. And it just stopped them. And I said, I can pray and remove the blindness and I can rebuke the God of this world that has blinded them. I can pray labors across their path. I can pray that God will inspire you and show you. But I said, it's useless for me to plead with God to go save this person. God so loved the world that he's already given. You don't need to plead with God to save people. And yet this is basically the mindset of the majority of the body of Christ. God, you could send revival. You could save this person. You could heal this person. You could prosper this person. God, you could do anything for what, whatever reason you aren't doing it. And so we are in, we're going to grab hold of God and not let go until God does something. I'm taking a different approach. This is what the apostle Paul did. He didn't pray, God, touch them. God, do something new. God, send forth your power. God, pour out your spirit. You know, if you were writing a prayer that was going to be read 2,000 years from now, if the Lord tarries, and if you had the opportunity to write something that would become scripture that people would be reading 2,000 years from now, and you were praying for them, how would you pray? Again, it would be similar to one of those things I've said. You'd, be, you'd write something like, oh God, touch these people. Oh God, do a new thing. Oh God, let there be something that has never happened before. God, send your power. Oh God, do this. You know how Paul prayed? Lord, open up their eyes to what they've already got. Show them what they have. Give them a revelation. Let them see what you've already done. The whole thing is not trying to get God to do something new. It rather is trying to get you to understand what God has already done. Whatever it is that you're after, God has already done it. God anticipated your problem before you ever had it and the supply was created before the need was in existence. God anticipated every problem that the whole world would ever have and he's already supplied it all in Jesus. If you need to be healed by his stripes, you were healed. It's already done and you've already got raising from the dead power on the inside of you. You don't need God to heal you. You need to appropriate what God has already placed on the inside of you. And this is what he's talking about. Verse 18, he says, pray that their eyes would be open, that they may know what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, not out there, but it's in the saints. Did you know what you have on the inside of you would bankrupt heaven if it had to be replaced? You have the glory of God already on the inside of you in, in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it says you have been called to the obtaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's already been done. You've already got the glory of God on the inside of you. And again, the average person says, I do not. Why? Because you haven't seen it in the mirror. You haven't felt it in your emotions. And so to you, that's proof. All that means is that you're carnal. You aren't going by the Spirit. Here's what the Word is saying. The glory, the greatness of his glory, his inheritance that is in the saints. It's already in you. It's not out there. 
It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 17, I reckon that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us, not to us, but in us. It's already in you. And when we get to heaven, all of a sudden our eyes are going to be open and we're going to see what we had the whole time. And I believe that's why there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth and God's going to have to wipe away tears from our eyes. It's not because we just all limped into heaven and we were all struggling and we were crying and just barely made it and God's got to wipe the tears away from our eyes. I believe it's when we stand before him and we know all things even as also we are known, we're going to say, you mean I was... All of these things, I had all of this power and glory and I went through this life depressed and discouraged and sick and poor and I could have been living and reigning in Christ and there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth and God's going to have to wipe the tears away from our eyes when we see what we forfeited down here because we didn't know what the Word said. Thank you for that thunderous silence. (laughs) And look in the next verse. It says, and he's praying that you would see what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. According to, the word according to means to the degree of or to the proportion of the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named etc. He's praying that your eyes would be open to the power that you have. What power is that? The same power, the exact same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and set him at his own right hand. You have raising from the dead power on the inside of you. It's not out there somewhere that you got to pray down through the demonic opposition and through the heavens. It is on the inside of you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is on the inside of you if you are born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's already there. I don't know how you're just sitting there. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, this is different than the way most people think. Again, most people come to me totally powerless. I have no power. Would you please do something? Well, you aren't walking in the spirit because in the spirit, if you're born again, you've got raising from the dead power on the inside of you. Well, I don't feel it. That doesn't mean anything. It just means you're carnal. Well, I haven't seen it. That just means you're carnal. In the spirit, all of us have raising from the dead power. And it's just a matter of whether you believe it or not as to whether or not it manifests. He's praying that God would open up our eyes and let us see what he has done for us. Look over in chapter four. The whole book of Ephesians is written from this standpoint. If you read it with this mindset, it'll open up to you and it'll get, you'll get revelation that you've never had before. But the whole book of Ephesians isn't God do something. Oh God, touch them. God move. It's oh God, help them to understand what they've already got. The whole thing is written from that perspective that you are already risen with him. You have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. The whole thing is written with that mindset. In verse, uh, this is chapter four. And in verse 17, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. In other words, don't be like an unsaved person who is only using their senses, their five senses, what they can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. Don't be a person who is so dumb that all you do is use your mind. You don't use your heart. You don't see with your heart. You don't go by what God is speaking to you in your heart. In verse 18, if you do that, then your understanding will be darkened. Understanding, if I could do a study on this, understanding is always a product of the heart. It's through your heart that you understand. Your brain is necessary. It's a tool It's like a computer that provides you information and stores information, but it's with your heart that you understand, that you see. And if you are walking like a Gentile, like a lost person, then your understanding is darkened. And then that causes you to be alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. And it just keeps going on and saying this over and over and over. Drop down to verse 24. It says, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. 
Now, again, this is your spiritual mirror. This is your way of looking into the spiritual world. You can't go by how you feel. You have to go by what the word says. What does the word say? The word says that you were created in righteousness and true holiness. Notice the emphasis here. There's true holiness implying that there's false holiness. You know what false holiness is? When you are trusting how well you've been living and how much you've been paying your tithes and going to church and doing this and this and this, self-righteousness is not acceptable to God. But when you got born again, that born again part of you, that old things passed away and all things became new, it was created. Notice it's not in the process. There wasn't a seed planted and you were growing towards holiness and righteousness. In your spirit, you are right this moment righteous and holy and pure. You are as pure and righteous as Jesus is because your born again spirit, according to Galatians chapter four, somewhere around verse four, five, six, somewhere in there, it says that God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. You had Jesus' spirit imparted unto you. That's your born again man. You don't have the spirit of Jesus and then your born again spirit and then the Holy Spirit. You don't have, you know, it'd be crowded in there. You just have one spirit and your born again spirit is the spirit of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17, it says, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. And the Greek word for one there is hes, H-E-I-S, and it means a singular one to the exclusion of all others. Your spirit isn't just one in the sense that you're similar, that you're united in purpose, you're running in parallel directions. Here's God up here and here's your spirit. No, you are identical, identical. In the spirit realm, if there are things you are ounce for ounce, molecule for molecule, atom for atom, identical to Jesus. Your spirit is the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ that has been placed on the inside of you. There is no difference. That's nearly hard to comprehend. You can't feel that. You aren't going to see it in a mirror, but that's what the Bible is saying. You were created righteous and truly holy. And so if you come before the Lord and say, oh God, I'm just so unrighteous, then you aren't worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. And you say, but you don't understand what I did. Well, you don't understand what Jesus did. You are coming before him based on your actions, based on your flesh and not based on what God has done for you. You aren't worshiping God in spirit and in truth. You are worshiping God in flesh. And in lie. Amen. I know you don't like that, but that's what it is. Anything in this physical, natural realm is a lie comparison compared to the absolute eternal truths of who you are in the spirit. Your spirit was born again and created righteous and truly holy. I hear people all of the time praying and saying, oh God, make me righteous. You ought to get born again. And if you're born again, you were created righteous. And so quit trying to be what you already are. Start being what you are instead of asking God to do something. We sing songs based on Old Testament scriptures like Psalms chapter 51 where David said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. And we sing songs about that. That was okay for David to say because David wasn't born again. He didn't have God living on the inside of him. And God did come and go and he dealt with people based on their performance. But in the New Testament, he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He says, when you get born again, I'll give you a brand new heart and a new spirit. And yet Christians are saying, oh God, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me when he promised that he'd never leave you nor forsake you. Somebody said, well, God knows what I mean. (laughs) Yeah, he knows what you mean. He knows that you don't have a clue who you are in the spirit (laughs) and that you don't know what you have. 
And he's just sitting there saying, when are they ever going to get the eyes of their understanding enlightened? When are they ever going to understand that I have never leave them nor forsake them, that they have the same power on the inside of them that raised Jesus from the dead. And they're saying, oh God, give me more power. You don't need more power. You need a revelation of what you've got. And you need to start using what you already have. Amen. You were created righteous and holy. You aren't trying to become righteous and holy. You were that way. And anytime you go out and act unrighteous and unholy, you aren't walking in the spirit. You aren't thinking about who you are in Christ. You are in the flesh. You know, we, we are seeing, Pastor Bob and I were talking about this yesterday at lunch. And it's just amazing how many people claim to be Christians and claim to love God. And yet their life doesn't reflect it. They aren't acting like it. They aren't talking like it. They aren't voting like it. They aren't living like it. And they just, why, why is this happening? Well, a lot of it's because of ignorance. People don't know what they have. But I can tell you, in your born again spirit, you are righteous and holy. Your born again spirit will never go commit adultery. Your born-again spirit will never lead you to lie. It will never lead you to gossip and talk about people. Your born-again spirit has no unbelief in it, no fear in it. Anytime you have any of those things, you aren't in the spirit. You are living as a Gentile, as a natural, physical human being who has your understanding darkened. You are alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in you. And you got your heart hardened towards God. And sad to say, brothers and sisters, that's where the average person lives. In the flesh, going by what they feel, going by what they hear, going by what their flesh wants. And their spirit the whole time is just perfect. And they they aren't walking in the spirit. Man, this is so simple. You got to have somebody to help you to misunderstand it. Look over in 1 John chapter 4. And in verse 17, it says, Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, this is talking about Jesus, so are we in this world. It didn't say so are we going to be in the next world. And again, this is where most Christians, they just say, well, I'm just a, poor wayfaring pilgrim. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. They just identify with the weakness and the inability and the failure and the defeat of the flesh. But oh, someday in heaven, what a day that's going to be. And it is going to be glorious in heaven when we get all three parts totally renewed. But right now your spirit is already complete and perfect. And this is what this is referring to. It says, as he is, how do you think Jesus is? Do you think Jesus is bothered over the economy? Do you think Jesus is staying up worried about his stocks and investments? Do you think that he is is bothered over what the doctor said to you? Do you think he's bothered over somebody? Do you think he's worried about whether he's going to get laid off and how he's going to make it? Do you think that Jesus is any of these things? Most Christians see just totally disconnect from Jesus. Well, that's Jesus. But I'm telling you that in your born again spirit, you are created in righteousness and holiness. You are joined unto the Lord. You are one spirit. And as he is right this moment, so are you in this world. It didn't say, so are you going to be in the next world? Your spirit is identical to Jesus right this moment. Whatever is true of Jesus is true of your born again spirit. Jesus has all power and all authority. So do you. Jesus now knows everything. The only thing in scripture that I've ever heard that Jesus doesn't know is the date of the second coming and the Lord is reserved, the father has reserved that unto himself. Short of that, you know everything that Jesus knows. You have the mind of Christ. And people think, that's not so. It's not so out here and that's where most of us live, but in your born again spirit, you have the mind of Christ. And you know, I've got a whole hour and a half teaching on this. I'm not going to take time to do it, but let me just say this real quickly. 
That this is why speaking in tongues, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so important because the Bible says that when you speak in tongues, your spirit prays. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse uh, 14. And then in verse 13, it says, let him that prays in an unknown tongue pray that he interpret. So when your spirit is praying, it's your, it, when you are praying in tongues, it's your spirit praying. What is it praying? It's praying the hidden wisdom of God, Hebrews 14, 2. And it's the part of you that has the mind of Christ. All you got to do is pray that you interpret and God will speak to you and show you supernatural things. You know, we had a situation just a couple of weeks ago where I was praying about some things. David said, you need to make a decision in the next day or two on some stuff. And I said, well, let me pray about it. You know, I prayed in tongues and God, I need wisdom. And within seconds, seconds, I got an idea that could save us two, three million dollars. What a deal. (laughs) Every one of us have this ability to do things. And yet we just go through, oh God, I don't know what to do. Would you please do something? You've got the wisdom of God on the inside of you. You've got the mind of Christ. As Jesus is, so are you. Colossians chapter 3 verse 10 says, put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. You in your spirit are renewed in knowledge. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 says you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. That's not true up here, but that's true in your born-again spirit. All you got to do is pray in tongues and say, Oh God, give me wisdom. I'm believing that I'm interpreting and that you're showing me what I don't know. And you draw this out. I don't know what that does for you, but man, that does a lot for me. Now, instead of approaching things like, Well, I can't know what to do. God, I'm just going to flip a coin and do something, and I ask you to bless what I do. That's the way that most Christians live their life, as if we don't have the Holy Spirit. I bet you last night, I told half a dozen people, they said, should I quit my medicine? And I said, I can't tell you. It depends on what you believe. I said, you know why I'm not taking that medicine? They said, why? I said, because I don't believe I'm sick. (laughs) If you're taking that medicine, because you believe you're sick, but you know what? Maybe you aren't to the place of just coming off cold turkey. Maybe you need to wean. I said, I can't tell you where you are. That's why you've got the Holy Spirit. I said, pray and let God show you what to do. It's amazing how many people just go through this life as if we are totally on our own and they, and especially how people come to me and it's just like they don't have any access to God. Brothers and sisters, we're living so far below our privileges and a lot of it starts because we don't know that in the spirit we have the mind of Christ and that we've been renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created us and that we have an unction from the Holy One and we know all things. And you don't need that any man teach you, but as that same anointing teaches you all things and is truth and is no lie, and even as he hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. First John chapter 2, verse 27. If, if you don't know those things, well, then you just go around and act like a Gentile, act like a lost man that doesn't have God. Go around, well, I can't know. Further along, we'll know all about it. Further along, we'll understand why. We sing these songs and just reinforce our fears and our defeat and our separation and our acceptance of being less than what God made us to be. I'm telling you that in your spirit, you're perfect. In your spirit, you know everything. In your spirit, you got everything as Jesus is right now. Whatever is true of Jesus, that's the way that you are. Now, are you going to focus on the fact that you've got raising from the dead power on the inside of you? Or are you going to focus on, well, my back hurts. The doctor says this. My banker said this. CNN said this. What are you focused on? I can tell you what you're focused on by what's growing in your life. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. If you're experiencing death, if you're failure and defeat and discouragement, you've been carnally minded. You aren't focused on who you are in Christ. And all you got to do is get into the Word and start reading scriptures like this and go to meditating on, Father, as Jesus is, so am I in this world right now. You know, there is no way for you to understand this apart from this teaching that I've called spirit, soul, and body. You cannot prove that verse looking in a mirror. 
What you are seeing in a mirror is not the way that Jesus is. This physical body is corruptible. And the scripture says this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. Your physical body, your wrinkles, your zits, your gray hairs, your ugly has to be changed. It's not like Jesus. That is not a true statement if all you think is what you physically are. And people say, well, I know that there's another part of me. I have emotions and I have this personality part. It's not true about you and the personality part either because I can guarantee you Jesus doesn't have your fears. He doesn't have your prejudice. He doesn't have your bitterness. He doesn't have your unforgiveness. He doesn't have your worries. Jesus is not like you in the, in the soulish realm or you aren't like him. So what does that leave? There's only one other part. That's your spirit being. And in the spirit, you are identical to Jesus right now. Not in the future. Right now. Right now. I don't know what that does for you, but I can't tell you how much that's done for me. That's changed my life. Man, it's changed the way I look at everything. In the area of healing, why would I put up with sickness and disease? Why would I put up with failure and things if I have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead living on the inside of me? I just don't understand this. Now, I can understand a person who, under, who sees this and yet they don't know enough of the word how to get it out. But for a person to just go through life not even knowing that they have this, a Christian, it's just tragic. And brothers and sisters, this is where the vast majority of the body of Christ are. They believe God is awesome and they believe He can do anything, but they don't see that they are now as He is. And so they go through this life intimidated and inferior and depressed and discouraged and all of these things. That is absolutely inconsistent with seeing who you are in Christ. If you ever get a revelation of who you are in Christ, it's impossible, impossible for you to lose hope. It's impossible for you to be defeated and discouraged. Now, Satan will come against you and fight. And there's a growth process in renewing your mind and getting to where you believe what you can't see more than you believe what you can see where you believe what the Word says. I can understand growth. I can understand that it takes a period of time for things to come to pass. But for people that haven't even started on this journey, it's just tragic. I just don't understand how people live their lives that way. Man, it is so comforting to know who you are in Christ. To To know that you have a different set of emotions. Galatians 5.22 says, The fruit of the Spirit, and it's a capital S, but remember, he that is joined unto the Lord is one Spirit. So you could say that this is what the Holy Spirit produces, and that's accurate, but you can also say this is what your born-again Spirit produces, and that's accurate, because you are one, a singular one, to the exclusion of another. This is absolutely true of your born-again Spirit. It's true of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. That's the way that every one of you that's born again and filled with the Holy Spirit are in your spirit. You are all of those things. There is love on the inside of you. And yet you may feel hate. You may have been treated badly and so there's anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. And you say, I just can't get over it. Well, the way you get over it is to recognize that in the Spirit, I've got the same Spirit that Jesus had when He hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so you just choose to say, I don't care how I feel. This is what the Word says I am. And you know what? I forgive this person. And you start blessing them. And you start speaking well of them. And some of you are thinking, well, I'd be a hypocrite because I don't really feel it. That's because you've got an identity crisis and you think what you feel is the real you. I'm telling you that you are born again and there is a new you that you can't feel. You're going to have to take it by faith on what the Word of God says. 
You know, I was witnessing to a man and this guy had a chew of tobacco and he got mad at me and just spit the whole wad of tobacco right in my face. And I had on a suit with a white shirt and it got all over me, covered in this guy's tobacco. And you know what? That didn't make me feel love for this guy. I wanted to punch his lights out. But I know that there is another part of me that is beyond what I feel. And you know what? Because I had that knowledge, I just wiped that off. I never missed a word in the sentence. You could ask. There was people with me. There were some of my staff with me. And I never missed a word in the sentence. I kept talking to him about the love of God and telling him about the goodness of God. And I never responded in the flesh. I just kept telling him that I loved him, that God loved him, wiped it off and went on. Some of you think, you can't do that. You can if you know who you are in Christ. There's times that I guarantee I feel absolute terror and dread, like, oh, God, don't let that one come up for prayer. <laughs> like, oh, God, it's, it's, this really looks bad. And, you know, this is the way that I feel in the flesh, but I know that there's a part of me that doesn't operate in fear and stuff like that. I know who I am in Christ. And, man, there's times that I actually will go to the hardest case first, just to deny what I feel and act on who I am in the Spirit. And there's times that, man, I feel nothing. There's times I feel nothing when I pray for people and I'll say, boy, there is the power of God because I know what the word says. I'm not telling you what I feel. I'm telling you what I believe. David and I went up and prayed for a woman in Chicago and this woman was in a wheelchair and doped up. She had cancer. She had less, just days to live is what the doctor said. And she had only seen me on television for one week. And she was so doped up that she, she was falling asleep and couldn't even carry on a conversation. She hadn't eaten in, I forgot, a long time. And I mean, this is as close to death as I've ever seen a person without being dead. She was terrible looking. And you know what? I thought to myself, two or three days watching my program, months or years of sickness and disease, you could tell by the family members around that they didn't know what the Word says and I, I thought to myself, too little, too late. She's going to die. And I started to tell David as we walked, I started to say, you know what, it's a shame that this woman will die because she doesn't know what the Word says. But I had enough sense through studying the Word that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I just decided not to go ahead and curse this woman to death. And so I prayed for her and said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And I thought about saying something. I decided I just think I'll keep my words to myself. And did you know, two months later, we were in Houston and this woman comes running down the aisle and jumps up on a platform that's about three or four feet tall and says, do you remember me? And I didn't even recognize her. She was so changed. And she, she got over there. And, and you know what? Praise God that I had enough sense to know that there's things in the spirit realm that I can't say. I don't understand exactly why some people receive and others don't. But you know what? I, I spoke what I believed, not what I felt. And brothers and sisters, I'm saying this in love. You guys are the cream of the crop. You're here on Friday morning listening to me. I'm not ragging on you. I am thrilled that you've come. You are a fanatic or either you were drugged here by a fanatic. <laughs> So I'm honoring you and saying good things about you, but I can guarantee you the majority of people sitting right here in this auditorium speak what you feel, not what the Word of God says. You act what you feel, not what the Word of God says. Most of us do not have a revelation of who we are. We don't speak and act like that, but instead, this person said something about me and I feel hurt, and so you just blast spew all of this hurt and pain out of you and say these things and you don't know it, you're cursing yourself. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And then you're going to have to overcome all of those negative things that you've said and all of the hurt and all of the pain when the whole time you could have gone by the word and just wiped it off and kept going, amen, that who cares? What's the chaff to the wheat? And you just focus on what God has said about you. But you can't do this if you don't know who you are in Christ. And this is where the vast majority of people are. They don't have this revelation. And so, well, I feel this and it's so strong that this is reality. 
It's carnal reality, but there is a spiritual you that I guarantee is full of love and joy and peace. And the whole time that your flesh is over here having a pity party and just crying and whining about how bad life is, your spirit is rejoicing and praising God. It doesn't get depressed. Your spirit's never depressed. Your spirit's not going to join your pity party. Your spirit is not going to sit there and gripe and complain. There is no defeat. There is no discouragement in your spirit. There was an instance where Jamie and I were pastoring a church in Childress, Texas. Or, uh, no, it was in Pritchett, Colorado. And I had left. You know, in Childress is the first time that it looked like we were going to survive. We had been in the ministry for over 10 years and we were on the verge of disaster every day of our life. And in Childress, we finally began to start eating on a regular basis. And it looked like we were going to make it. And we saw blind eyes open and we saw lame people walk and we were seeing people healed. And there was actually some evidence that God was using me. And it was exciting And right in the middle of that, God called me to go to Pritchett, Colorado. Which if you haven't ever been to Pritchett, it may not be the end of the world, but you can see it from there. It's that close. (laughs) There's not a single tree in all of Baca County except in the little towns and around the house. It's just prairie. It's flat. I've always wanted to live in Colorado. And I said, God, you knew this wasn't what I was talking about. (laughs) And so I gave up everything. I mean, we had scratched and clawed. And for the first time in my life, it looked like we might survive, that somebody's life was being changed. And I was excited about Childress and God called me to go to Pritchett, Colorado. And I went there and within six months, they accused me of of everything you could imagine, stealing money from the church, which I didn't even take a salary. And yet they accused me of stealing money. They accused me of adultery. They accused me of being uh, drunk, of doing drugs. Uh, I mean, just everything. There was lies. There was people that all they did was get on the phone and lie about me all day long. And, and I was just being persecuted and criticism and different things. And I had given up the first chance of success that it ever looked like in my life to come to that little town of 144 people. And they hated me. And... I was just waiting on Jamie and the boys to go to sleep. And then I was going to go down into the basement and I was going to have a pity party. I'd already sent out all my invitations. All of the demons in Baca County had arrived. I was ready for this pity party and I was just waiting on Jamie and the boys to go to sleep so I could go down there and tell God how unfair this is and how I felt. So while I was waiting on them to go to sleep, I was sitting at the kitchen table and I was just waiting so I could go down and gripe and complain. And all of a sudden, you know what? These thoughts about what I'm telling you started coming back to me about that in the spirit, you've got love, joy, and peace. Your spirit's not going to participate in this pity party. You know what? There's a part of you that regardless of how badly people, how bad people have treated you, the spirit is basking in the presence of God. You got love and joy and peace. And you know what? When I started thinking those thoughts, I didn't want it. I thought, God, I'm all prepared for this pity party. I'm looking forward to this pity party. I'd feel better if I got down and just griped and complained. I didn't want to rejoice. I wanted to gripe. None of you have ever felt that way. Just indulge me. I'm telling you how I feel. I know none of you ever feel that way. And I was just... And I was like, God, I'm going to gripe. I know I shouldn't, but I'm going to gripe. I'm going to do it anyway. And you know, while I was sitting there, eventually this just came to me. And I realized that there's a part of me that was going to live in victory. And I had a choice. Was I going to go with who I was in the spirit and go by what the word says? Or was I going to go with my feelings? And you know, by the time everybody got to sleep, I went down into the basement and through gritted teeth, I started saying, I'm blessed in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, that I'm blessed that you love. I didn't feel a bit of it, but I started acting on what I knew was true in my spirit. And you know, it's just like having a well. Having that well doesn't do you any good if you don't know how to draw it out. 
and take advantage of it. And so what I started doing was using my tongue, my words to praise God and to say what the word said about me, not what I felt. And I started praising God and I put my hands in the air and I started praising God and walking back and forth and praying in tongues and saying, God, it's awesome. You love me. We are blessed. And I started saying what I believe, not what I felt. And I tell you, it's just like all of a sudden I started drawing what was on the inside of my spirit out. And within just moments, I was overwhelmed with the presence of God. I was rejoicing and praising God. Turned out to be one of the memorable nights of my life, just basking in the joy and in the presence of God at the whole time that everybody was lying about me and saying things. Every one of you have that ability. Every one of you can sit there and go by what you feel and either empower the criticism and the negative things that others say and that you say about yourself or you can go by who you are in the spirit and start drawing it out by speaking it forth and releasing it. And the only reason that I can understand why people don't do this is because they don't know that they have this. They are under the deception of, well, I feel this way. This is just reality. I'm telling you that there is a reality that goes beyond your little peanut brain's ability to perceive. You have to go by what the Word says, not by feelings and emotions. Right now, there are television signals in this room. And if you say, well, I don't see them, I don't feel them, that doesn't mean that they aren't here. They're here. And all you have to do is put a television set up here and turn it on, tune it in. And when you turn the set on is not when the station starts broadcasting. It's broadcasting all of the time. You just start receiving when you turn it on and tune it in. The truth is that your spirit is always, always, always full of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. That is your character in the spirit. That is who you are. And if you don't feel that, that doesn't mean that it's not there. It just means that you aren't plugged in, turned on, tuned in to the right frequency. You are being led by the flesh and not by the spirit. But the spirit all of the time is godly. The spirit is identical to Jesus. And you can choose to be like that or you can choose to go by how you feel. You can choose to let your fears dominate you. It's just up to you. And once you understand this truth, I don't understand why anybody wouldn't choose to be like Jesus. Why you wouldn't choose blessing over depression and discouragement, healing over sickness. Again, I believe that most people choose the negative because of a default. They just don't know who they are. They don't know what they have. They think, but this is what I feel. This is it. What you feel is not everything that there is. There is a spiritual you that has been changed, created in righteousness and true holiness. As Jesus are, that's exactly as Jesus is, that's exactly the way that you are in your spirit right now. It's always that way. There is no dormant season where you don't bear fruit in the Spirit. Your Spirit, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every day of the year is producing love and joy and peace. And you've got a choice. Are you going to go by what the Spirit is producing or are you going to go by your flesh? You know, even though I've been walking with the Lord a long time, if you come up and spit in my face today, I'm still going to want to punch your lights out. (laughs) My flesh hasn't changed. I don't know how to get this point across. I've yet to come up with the right words. But I'm not improving in my body, in my flesh. I'm not getting more like Christ in my flesh. My flesh is the same flesh that I had before I got born again. My flesh is flesh. It's not good. You know what's improving? I'm learning to deny this and to step out of the flesh. I'm learning who I am in Christ, and I'm learning to give more preeminence to the Spirit. But I've still got the same flesh I've always had. You come up and insult me, I'm not going to like it. I'm going to think bad thoughts. Some people thought, oh, I thought you were beyond that. You don't ever get beyond that. (laughs) You don't ever get beyond being carnal. There is a part of me that is carnal. 
and it's corrupted and I live in a sinful world and I'm going to have fears and thoughts the same as anybody has them. The only difference in my life is that I have focused on who I am in Christ and I now default to that and regardless of what I feel like and regardless of what my carnal thoughts are, I choose to act like who I am in Christ. There's some of you that when you do something strange, it just shocks you. You thought, I thought I was past this. That's because you don't understand that it's not your flesh that's improving. It's your spirit. You are learning to get out of the flesh and more into the spirit. Your spirit's never going to get any better until we die and go to be with the Lord. That's when your flesh is going to be perfected. Amen. You're going to get a new body and you're going to get a new soul. But until then, you're going to have fears and you're going to have thoughts and the victory in the Christian life is just learning that that's not me. That was the old me. And now I'm a new person in Christ. And in Christ, I I love you regardless what you say or do about me. There's nothing you can do to make me get mad at you. Amen? And some of you, but my family has always had a temper. This is just characteristic of our family. That's in the physical realm. In your born-again spirit, you're a part of a new family and you never get angry and you always walk in love. And if you're sitting there, but this is just my personality type. You're in the flesh. You're carnal. You aren't in the spirit. You don't know who you are in Christ. But this is the way that I've always been. Well, then change. Amen. Start being who you are in Christ. Start walking by that. I'm telling you, all of these things would change dramatically if you would just find out who you are in Christ and make a decision that that's who I am. This is who I'm going to be. That's my decision and I'm not changing. But it all begins with you having to, first of all, understand who you are in Christ and what you have. And quit thinking that God, I believe victory is out there. No, victory is on the inside. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is already on the inside of you. You already have the mind of Christ. You already have the wisdom of Christ. Now, don't act like a lost man that doesn't have this. Don't act like a mere human being who is, by default, you just have to be this way because that's what I feel. That's the way that everybody in my family has been. You are a brand new species of being that never existed before, and you have capabilities that you can choose to walk in it. You can renew your mind and you can act like Jesus. You can turn around and forgive the very people who've crucified you. You can do it. I don't always do it, but I could always do it. And you know what? I am seeing so much victory in this area and it's because of these things that I'm talking to you about. In uh, the same town of of Pritchett, Colorado, I had one of the elders got mad at me and he accused me of lying. And he was the guy that was doing all of these things. And he was a friend of mine for a while. I don't know, he turned on me. And uh, I went in and sat down and talked to him as the pastor of this church. And he just blasted me. You're a liar. You're a crook. You're doing this. He believed this one guy who had lied about me. and, And it was bad. It was real bad. But you know what? I knew what he said wasn't true. I hadn't done it. And I didn't take it personal. And I just prayed for him. And I blessed this guy. And I was praying for him. I never did get mad at this guy. And the next week, Jamie and I, every time I drove by his business, I'd stop and go in to talk to him. Because I was his pastor and I was just visiting with him. So I stopped and I asked Jamie, I said, do you want to go in and see him? And she said, no, I'm staying in the car. (laughs) And I went in and I talked to this guy and he wouldn't really talk to me. He didn't tell me just to leave, but he was unfriendly. He wasn't nice and it wasn't right. And I only stayed in about five minutes and I came back out and I told Jamie, I said, something's wrong with him. And she just looked at me and I said, honest, something's bothering him. He wasn't friendly. He wasn't nice the way that he normally was. And she said, don't you remember what he said about you last week? And you know, I had forgotten all of it. I had literally put it out of my mind because I knew it wasn't true. I was focused on what God thinks about me and I love this guy. And I honestly had forgotten that he had said that I had stolen money, that I would committed adultery, that I was a drunk. He had defamed me. He had done all of these things. And I'd literally forgotten it. And Jamie had to remind me of what he said. 
Some of you think you can't live that way. Well, don't wake me up because that's how I'm living. <laughs> Nobody's going to rent space in my mind. I hadn't, I hadn't got any room to give you, amen. I am not going to stay awake worrying about what you think. And you know how I can do that? Because I know uh, who I am in Christ. I have the mind of Christ and I know what Jesus thinks about me and I just choose to focus on that. You do not have to be living in the bondages that most of us live in and it, it happens because we don't know who we are and what we have in Christ. I tell you, if you're understanding what I'm saying, this has the potential of radically changing your life. You can change your identity. You can move from a failure to a success, regardless of what your financial situation is or anything else. In the spirit, you are a success, regardless of what you're experiencing in the physical. And somebody says, well, that just sounds like you're making believe. As you believe it and get your mind renewed, it will manifest itself in your physical life. I can guarantee you, if you think prosperity and see who you are and what you have in Christ, eventually it will come to pass in your physical realm. If you think that you are blessed and anointed and you can do all things, eventually that will manifest itself. Because the scripture says, Proverbs 23, 7, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Your life is going the way of your dominant thoughts. If you are experiencing failure after failure after failure, it's because you are failing in your thoughts first. As you think in your heart, that's the way that you are. And so change the way that you think. Start thinking on who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ. As he is, so am I. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. You go to meditating on that. Think about your emotions, your spiritual emotions, that you have love, joy, and peace, and all these other things. And you dwell on this, and I guarantee you, uh, over a period of time, as you renew your mind, you will go to experiencing all of those things. You will go to experiencing the blessings of God. This is what that whole album I had about effortless change is about. It's hard to change by begging God and pleading and getting a hundred million people together to get God to do something and make God do something. That's a hard way to change. But if you want to change, just find out who you are in Christ. Focus on that to where you become more focused on that than you are the negative and you will just change effortlessly. It will just automatically change. Man, that's good news. That's nearly too good to be true news. But this, in a nutshell, is a Christian life. You've already got everything in your spirit. Now you just got to renew your mind. That's what uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't be like everybody else, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Because in your spirit, you've already got it. Now all you got to do is change the way you think. And as you think in your heart, that's the way you will be. If you think well, if you think by his stripes I'm healed, and if you're more focused on that than you are what the doctor has to say, all you'll get is life and peace. You'll live and not